0: Okay, people, if you ever thought about a job behind the scenes in sports, working with pro athletes, traveling the world, and living your best life, then you definitely want to listen to my next guest, Tori Smith. No, not that Torrey Smith, the one that played football. This Tory Smith is the lead long-form content producer at PGA Tour Entertainment. He's worked for the Capitals, won some Emmys, including a National Sports Emmy nomination for his work on Tiger Woods. We both have some good stories about Tiger in this pod. Tori's a good all around dude, a friend, and soon to be. Oh, wait, I'll let him tell it. We even had some breaking news about Tiger and Phil right off the bat that Tori came back on with me to re record. For the Props Network, this is just for sport in three, two, one. All right, this is our second recording for all of the listeners out there. I actually interviewed Tori Smith earlier today. But then this news broke, so I had to get Tori back on the line. Thanks for Tori for giving me the heads up about it, too, so we could talk about this. So keep this in mind as you're listening to our conversation. Welcome, Tori. Thank you for jumping back on with me. No problem. Some of his later answers will not include this in it, but we had such a great pod, we didn't want to re-record. So that's what's going to you're going to be hearing this first is. Tory's reaction as he works for PGA Entertainment to the best news we could have received today. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning are joining Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson for the match reboot. Tori, let's start. Yeah. What was most exciting for you about seeing that come across social media?
1: Um, well, obviously, you know, the uh, star power of, of Brady and, and Manning. Uh, meshing with Tiger and Phil um across sport those are four humongous names obviously so um having them all together um you know the personalities especially of of those four guys um you know Phil and and Peyton are definitely known for for being characters and and having good sense of humor uh Tiger has become a lot more fan friendly in the last couple years and then Brady is is taking on this whole new endeavor in Tampa where um you know, we, we know what Brady is, but it's almost like a new chapter. And then what a cool way to to start his career in Tampa with, um, you know, something off the off field uh, like this event.
0: The event is going to take place on TNT, but they don't have a date and location. The event will be called the Match Champions for Charity to raise donations for a COVID-19 related uh, charity too. But the best news on this after the fact that they're playing is this going to be in Florida? Everything surrounding sports and specifically golf should be focusing on this event because, you know, over time, when I, I interviewed Michael Wilbon and we talked about how after 9 11, sports really brought everybody together, really uh, gave people something to look forward to. And in a time when there's no sports, this definitely can bring people to the television, OTT, everything to watch this event.
1: Yeah, and if, if nothing else, I think it almost gives a little bit of a sense of normalcy again, where we're seeing people we know and and you know faces that we see on our TVs on the regular um, back to playing sport, um, and that that's that in and of itself is I think a certain level of comfort. It's it's a pretty exciting premise to you know um, see these four titans of of the sports industry uh, team up together for a round that is you know, hopefully going to raise, if if it pans out like we think, raise a lot of money um, for the the situation that the the country and and the planet is facing.
0: Woods and Mickelson, they competed in the first match in 2018 at Shadow Creek, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Las Vegas is shut Mm -hmm. down now. Um, Florida, the governor, has said sports are essential. Uh, Mickelson won that first event, a $9 million prize on the fourth playoff hole, and $800,000 in side bets went to charity. So they can really generate some money here for this event. Towards this latter part of both of their careers, I would imagine you would agree with this, Woods and Mickelson have been way more gregarious and open to media, inside access, being mic'd up, stuff like that. They did some of that for this first event. What else can they do to take this to the next level? Because the first one, they didn't have fans there either. So that's okay to not have fans. I think maybe there were select people. Um, That part, I'm a little murky. I don't quite remember, but, you know, maybe this one, it's even more so they can do something similar to what they did last year and raise a lot of money.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think the next level is is almost exactly what this is. Um, One of the the criticisms, I think, of, of the first iteration of the match was that you needed more personalities rather than just Tiger and Phil carrying it. Mm. Um, because, you know, golf is its a sport where it takes place over four and a half hours for a round, and, um, you know, it's, it's a lot to ask two guys to be um, always on for that length of time. So getting guys like a Brady and a Manning um, who can be, you know, additional characters in the story that unfolds on the course that day, I, I think that's going to be um, – a huge element in in just adding some additional drama and and perspective, too, of um, pros alongside amateur players. So it's pretty cool.
0: So the one thing that I see that I could poke holes in it, I I do it all the time and I shouldn't, I know Peyton Manning can deliver on camera. I don't know about Tom Brady. He's so, in some ways, vanilla. You need a Charles Barkley or a Michael Wilbon to be in this. Not Tom Brady. Or maybe you just need to add more people to it. Just have more. Keep their social distance. But as long as the mic's working. You're going to be able to hear what they're saying. <laughs> hey
1: I mean. Maybe now that Brady's out of uh, the Patriots organization. Maybe he's this. You know hilarious. um He's Tom you know, Brady. Guy that, that we haven't seen that side of before. You know. Yeah. Now that the Belichick uh, handcuffs are off. And who knows. Who knows what kind of Tom Brady we'll see. Uh, but yeah. I mean I'm with you. We don't, we don't know what kind of personality Brady really is, and, and um, he doesn't seem to be in that same comedy level of, of a Peyton Manning. Um, but, hey, I mean, it's kind of funny that he's been in Florida for a couple days now, right? And he's already, uh, you know, polishing off the golf clubs, getting ready for a lot of golf in his future.
0: I saw a funny story where Tom Brady got kicked off of a, a park that he was, yeah, you know, working out in. Well, hopefully they don't kick him off the golf course in Florida while he's practicing or whatever he's doing to get prepared for this. Um, Maybe yeah. he was working on his shipping
1: game at the park, you know? Right.
0: Right. And now it's like you just <laughs> you messed him up. His preparation. Come on now. Tori, thank you for coming back on with this breaking news. I really appreciate it. Um have a good one. Thanks for being on the podcast. And now back to our regularly scheduled program again with Tori Smith. Thanks for having me, You're okay? Yeah. All right, thanks, Tori, for joining me. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, living life in
1: the quarantine like all of us, trying to find new ways to stay active and, er- and entertained.
0: Um, how about you? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. A little colder where I am compared to you. You can actually still go play golf if you want to, but, you know, it's mid-40s up here.
1: Yeah, being in Florida is a perk right now. It's uh low 70s today. Um, could work outside if I wanted to, but... I've decided to, to hunker up and, and do this from the office and just kind of look at the, uh, the sunshine, sunshine outside this morning.
0: I'm a little jealous, but, um, you know. I'll live vicariously through you in this pod. Let's get into it. How excited were you yep. to see the uh, revamped PGA Tour schedule come out? Um, it is the first league, if you will, to say, hey, we've got a plan that we're going to move forward with in this you know new life of COVID-19 and the schedule is very condensed but for any golf fans out there sports fan out there they have to be excited to have golf every weekend whether it's a major or regional event Yeah
1: definitely I mean first and foremost aside from my career I am and have been a sports fan for you know 30 years so uh right now with no live sports on TV, um, it's, it's been it's been tough. I've definitely felt that as, as an impact of this whole coronavirus COVID situation. Um, so, yeah, the tour announcing that, you know, we're going to get back to business um, before too long is, is really exciting. Um, you know, I think it's good for the tour and that it's getting people talking about us more than, you know, um, perhaps usual. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on our products. Um, like you said, being being the first back, that's always gonna draw in some some new fans and obviously core fans will come back um like usual, but it could be a great opportunity for golf to grow um in the
0: coming months. And and being the entertainment side of the PGA tour, how much have you missed covering golf, you know, and and telling stories just not just in general with with the golf golfers, but the fans, the tournament, the travel. What do you miss most about it, and, and what are you excited to go back to doing?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's I'm in an interesting position with PJ Tour Entertainment, um, and that I'm I'm a, the lead content producer of our long form side. So, you know, we're definitely keeping an eye on the weekly tournaments, um, watching what's going on. But a lot of times, our stories don't necessarily involve the week-to-week. We're looking at things on, on a broader picture, um, a broader scale of, hey, what are some trends we're seeing in the game? Um, who is this, you know, the next wave of young talent that's emerging? So, in that sense, we have still been able to tell cool and interesting stories um, while this has been happening. We've been, you know, working to keep, keep our players at the forefront of, of how they're handling the situation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, tournament golf itself brings back some some excitement and um, that's what a lot of people are missing and want to see so that's just going to add another element to our storytelling Um, you know what right now we're producing shows still producing shows for CBS um, Aaron kind of every two weeks Um, we just produced one a couple weeks ago called Tiger Tales Mm -hmm. that was a really cool look at um, you know at, at Tiger and his evolution from child prodigy to on the cusp of being the all-time um, winning all, most wins on the pga tour um so we were able to tell that story um we're working on a, a show on xander shoffley who in the last four or five years has really emerged as one of the uh the top young players on tour and, and he's entrenched himself in the top 15 in the world golf rankings so um we we're more of a macro approach than than the week to week, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 great to have, have golf on the verge of being back. Uh,
0: so I know that, you know, the Masters isn't happening this year. And you mentioned Tigers. Well, excuse me, it's not happening in its schedule time, which would have been right after the end of March Madness, the Final Four. Then that next Thursday is the Masters, which seemed like a long time ago, but it was only a couple of weeks. And I know that they replayed last year's Masters and had Tiger live with Jim Nance kind of reliving it. Uh did you get to see that and what was it like for you covering the Masters last year with Tiger?
1: Yeah, so I've seen that this year was was really unique. Um I'm fortunate enough that for the past three Masters, um I've been able to be part of a uh Masters digital team that goes up to Augusta National for about a week and a half. Um covers the action from the grounds. Um and is really producing all of the, the content that fans can consume on masters.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing the telecast last year or sorry, last week uh, was actually the first time I'd seen the telecast because I was there live um, in 2019. So it, it is cool just to see the progression of how the rounds develop. Um, you know, when, obviously when you're at a golf tournament, you can't see everything that's happening like you can on a telecast. So um it was cool to not only see that, but to bring back the memories of just what the atmosphere was like at Augusta National last year. Um, you know, it's, it's a it's a unique golf course and, and tournament in and of itself. But having Tiger make his charge on the second nine on Sunday um, and do what many people never thought was possible again—to um, to relive those memories and remember where I was when he when he you know uh, sunk the final putt him go hug his family, um, just brought back a lot of cool memories and, and stuff that I'll remember for the rest of my life.
0: That's pretty cool, because it's funny. You said you didn't get to see it, and I feel like if I had to make a choice, I don't know if I would want to be there live or seeing the broadcast because you, in, I mean, maybe you could run around, but are you following – one grouping i mean how how are you able to keep up with the tournament if you know everybody's on a different hole and you may hear the roar from you know 17 and something's happening on 12 like what do you what do you do what is that like or what was it like for you at the masters
1: yeah that is something that is definitely unique about golf right and that all the action is not right in front of you like other sports mm-hmm. um so depending depending where you are, you just got to rely on your team a lot. Um, Augusta National is different because there's you know they don't allow cell phones on the grounds. Um, so our team has radio communication. Where if I'm you know on the twelfth hole and I hear a roar, you know over at sixteen, I'm having to relay back, hey, what happened? Do I need to stay here? Is someone making a charge that we need to go get them finishing up their round? Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely unique. Sort of way to, to field produce um, and and cover storylines out in the field, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, it's similar for other tour events where you do have cell phones. You know, it's, it's just are sending somebody a text rather than communicating via radio. So uh, you definitely have to stay on your toes at at golf tournaments, um, and then you know it's kind of just kind of sticking to your to your instincts,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, trusting yourself to know where the storylines might develop, which guys. You know, are, are gaining momentum or seem to be hot, um, and making sure you can you can get yourself to the right place in the right time if you need to.
0: It's funny because I actually got to see Tiger for the first time play at the Quicken Loans tournament in 2018. I'm like, I'm not missing this. I don't know if I'll ever get to see him again. And not only did I got to get to see him play, but I don't remember what hole we were on, but there was a Porta John in between. The two holes. So in between, you know, he he putted on one, and then he started to walk to the other hole, and then made a detour into the Porta John. I'm like, that's really bizarre, and everything <laughs> stopped. The world just stopped and waited for him to come out of Porta John. It was it was, it was pretty wild. But and, and I mean, what
1: what does that say about Tiger Woods, right? Where of just how his fame and celebrity were one of the things you remember for that tournament is him taking a bathroom break because yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. everybody was rushing to get to the next hole. So some people, as soon as he hit the putt, they were running to get to the next tee and myself and my colleague, we just kind of walked and then just noticed he was going to the bathroom. I was like, this is weird. And I said, you know what? Let's stay here instead of running with the masses. And then we ended up got, to, got to kind of follow him a little bit more The and, and it was less people around at that time. But yeah, that was pretty weird. Yeah. Um, Looking at the yeah, schedule. One, one
1: thing that's kind of cool, too, is...
0: Sorry. No, one, go one ahead. One about Tiger, too, that, that is neat. You know, obviously,
1: everyone sees the crowd that, that he brings and, you know, the galleries that are following him. Um, if you're at the tournament again where Tiger's playing or, or anyone that's listening that, that has this chance, stay back for a group or two after Tiger. Um, and just, you feel... You feel the leftover energy of Tiger having gone through there. There's like a vacuum of not only people, but there's just a certain energy that Tiger carries around the course with him. There's like a certain aura. Um, and it's it's unbelievable until you kind of feel it and experience it. So anytime Tiger's at an event that I'm at, um, I'm making sure to, to be around where he
0: is. Tori, that is hilarious because I was so caught up in the moment I actually forgot another part that was funny. So we watch him in the port john He gets to go up over a hill to get to the next tee. We had to go under um, a little overpass. And they stopped us because a player was coming through. So we were standing there, and the player walks past. He's like, wait, you're not going to follow me? oh, okay, I'm not as big as Tiger, I get it. <laughs> and then we just yeah. laughed and be like, no, nah, yeah. we're going with Tiger. <laughs> yep, yeah. hey,
1: you know, the guys have a sense of humor, they get it, that, that Tiger is Tiger, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, it was so funny, it was so funny. That is funny. Um, is there a tournament that you were bummed you knew you would miss outside of the Masters and the other majors? And if so, what tournament is that? on the schedule for you in this revised edition of the PGA Tour schedule?
1: Yeah, for me, it's it's the Players' Championship. Um, You know, they got the first round in and then within a span of 12 hours, basically, uh, you know, they finished Thursday round and then Friday morning, the tournament's canceled. You know, it's not going to be rescheduled. We're not going to have a Players' Champion in in 2020. Um, And that tournament, not only is it, local um, to where I'm at in Jacksonville Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's such a it's such an amazing course um, and those last three holes especially create so much drama down the stretch uh, particularly come come Sunday Um, you know you have the the 17th hole that's the iconic island green and you have the fans going nuts um, you know in that whole little corner of 16 through 18 Um, that's a tournament that I love being a part of and being there. Uh, it's, it's a bummer that it's not going to be on the calendar this year, but, um, already looking forward to it in 2021.
0: Yeah. Have you played 17?
1: I have. Yeah. I've, uh, I've played that, the stadium course, um, one time. Yeah. And 17, I put three balls in the water. (laughs) Um, it's, it's, it's the craziest thing, man. It's, it's not a long hole. It's It's a, Relatively short par three, mm-hmm. um, but it just it just plays tricks with your mind when you're on that tee box. Um, I hit one short, one to the right, and one long, so I, I definitely had the pin surrounded, but just couldn't
0: quite find the green. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. Um, I played the fake 17 at the uh, hotel that's attached to TPC. My, am I say Sawgrass? Yeah, TBC Saga. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the name of the hotel. I'm bummed out. I gotta I gotta look it up. But uh Wizards preseason okay. game against New Orleans in Jacksonville. And at this restaurant in the hotel, they had a little fake seventeen. So at like late at night we just did nothing but pretend to chip as if we were on the actual golf course. It was it was <laughs> great. Um Many hey, aces, or, uh, or, or how do you fare? Oh, I I am not very good at golf. Um, I don't even remember. It was actually a long time ago, but I feel like I do not remember hitting the green ever, and we just kind of said, okay, fine, <laughs> we're done. We 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 had yeah. fun. I'm probably going to say at least 10 in the water before maybe I hit the green. Uh, but, uh, oh, there we,
1: we go. Miz, we, both of us are in the water, so misery needs company, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, someday, maybe I'll get down there to play with you. Um, Okay, Yeah. Many people in the sports world have talked about maybe after tennis golf being the second easiest sport to come back because there is the ability for players to easily keep their social and playing distance, whether they're solo players, maybe two players in a group. And I thought the same thing, too, until I listened to a podcast that uh, Steve Sands was on. And he mentioned that he actually thinks that's not true because, yeah, you could play without the fans, which no one really wants to. No player league broadcast partner sponsors want to do. But realistically, you got to think about the employees that have to put on the tournament, the travel for the, the golfers and other family members, whatever, to get to the tournament and the sponsors. For example, the BMW Championship, BMW most likely can't be there they can't bring their vips as part of the tournament what are your thoughts on golf being one of the easier sports to return and i'm saying that having already asked you about the pga tour being the first revamped schedule to come out and saying we're coming back to play yeah i mean
1: that's that's a great question um quite frankly i'm i'm glad that i'm not in a you know, commissioner type position. That's been having to make those decisions because, um, I'm sure it hasn't been easy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think golf can be one of the first ones back and, and obviously will be one of the first ones back. Um, because it it does allow some social distancing, especially without fans. Uh, to me, the big question is, you know, how are you going to incorporate broadcast crews? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you, you know, in, in a sport like football or basketball, uh, the broadcast cameras are positioned in their spots, and um, you know it's kind of away from the action. But with golf, you know, cameras are are right there. They're only you know a few yards away from players in the tee box, and um, there's also many more cameras than there would be at a, at other sporting events. So mm-hmm.
0: to me, that's kind of the, the the great unknown of knowing how many people need, need to be there to make a, a golf event happen, um, mm-hmm.
1: and work. Um, that's, that's, I guess, one of the, the questions for me that I'm still not quite sure about, but again, I know the PJ tour leadership, um, as well as, uh, you know, leaders from other governing bodies of golf are having a discussion. Then, um, I do not see it being an issue once, once golf is back up and running.
0: Yeah. And if it's essential employees that would be needed and PGA tour entertainment is a central employee or group that would need to be at a tournament, Uh, how many people travel to a tournament for your side of the business um, in, in covering it? And have you had discussions of how that may change now compared to last season when you were traveling to a tournament? Yeah, definitely. I mean,
1: that's, that's, it's still somewhat of one of the great unknowns, um, because in a normal week, um, prior to, to any of the situation we're in, we could have PG Tour Tour entertainment alone could have anywhere from, I mean, 25 to, to 50 people at the what? event. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, we have, you know, so many, there's camera crews and producers and, um, live teams, international teams. So it's a digital Mm. team. Um, the numbers add up pretty quick and yeah, I would, I would anticipate that, um, it's going to, it's going to be a smaller number than that for the time being. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: you know, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I would think just, um, as we're all assessing personal safety and safety of others around us that, um, yeah, efforts to streamline essential staff will, will be put in place. It's it's interesting though. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things that there's so many things on the checklist that need to get done yeah. um, before before any sport is back. It's 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 a daunting task, but uh, you know we'll make it
0: happen. So outside of the Masters, if it's twenty five to fifty people, how many people are you communicating with, and you know do you prefer? to kind of pivot a little bit, do you prefer the walkie-talkie to communicate or you like the cell phone? Maybe you start a text chain or something like that.
1: Uh, I actually prefer the walkie-talkie, to be honest, because Whoa. I have an old iPhone with a unreliable <laughs> battery. So there's been, uh, there's been an occasion where I've had to scramble to the media center to uh, do some emergency charging. But that's, <laughs> that's another story, I guess.
0: <laughs> you got to um, share that one. What tournament? What happened?
1: Um, I mean, the, the one I remember was, I oh mean, it was the players championship of 2017,
0: maybe, maybe 18. Your favorite tournament. Um,
1: I know. Right. <laughs> and and that's the one where we do have a lot of crews out there and yeah. we're having to coordinate, stay in touch with each other. Um, and yeah, sure enough, like I'm on, you know, the leaders are on the 14th hole on Sunday and I look down my phone. It's at like 2%. Um, so at that point, I know it's not going to make it through through the final round. Yeah. Um, so I, I was proactive, and thankfully, I was able to get a text in time just to tell my fellow producers to start texting my uh, camera guy, yeah. who I was going to be with the remainder of the round. Um, <laughs> I felt bad for him because, you know, he's he's shooting content and, and framing up his shots and, you know, his phone's buzzing in his pocket nonstop. But um, it's one of those things where you just got to kind of adapt on the fly, and and yeah. make it work uh
0: with the situation you have you have in front of you. <laughs> uh okay, uh what camera what camera do you work with? What what equipment are you taking with you from hole to hole?
1: Yeah, so um so we I'm actually not
0: shooting. Right, um, right. I'm just basically getting our Yeah, so uh we
1: we have crews that shoot on anything from uh Mirrors to to red cameras to Sony F F5, five, F 55s um, It's kind of the whole gamut of, of you know high end cameras and camera gear.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and that that's one of the things that is so amazing about PJ Tour Entertainment is um, the talent that, that we you know um, bring in to work with us and, and gather our content, capture our content. Um, we are working with some amazingly talented people, mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome just to see the collaborative effort um, that, yeah. you know, our team and, and the freelance crews we bring in can, can put together.
0: So back to the original question, what, you're on a text chain or chatting with, what, 10, seven, 10 to 10 people? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's probably, probably about a dozen. Um, oh, wow, okay. And it's a mixture of, of producers that are out on the course along with some that are kind of camped at the media center watching the telecast, knowing, um, hey, uh, Jason Day's making a charge. He's through 14 now. Go pick him up on 16 because we need to get him finishing up. So, it's a uh, it's a lot of behind the scenes communication that you know people watching probably wouldn't quite know. But yeah. yeah, it's it's fun to be part of. There's there's an energy for sure.
0: Wow. All right. Let's let's back up a little bit as we talking a little bit about your career. You started in news. You you worked in news for three years, uh, starting in Pennsylvania. Did you want to get into news originally? How did you end up there out of Virginia Tech, where you graduated from?
1: Yep. Uh, first off, Go Hokies. Virginia Tech <laughs> <alum>. um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I ended up in news. Um, it's a long story, actually. Um, so I, I started Virginia Tech actually as a pre med student, thinking I wanted to go into what? Um, sports. Yeah, I thought I. I I was dead set on doing sports medicine.
0: Wow. Um,
1: but I thought that was my future and, you know, cause I loved anatomy in high school and as a sports fan, um, you know, I, I was interested in, in injuries and rehab and, and all, you know, all that that entails. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was one semester of chemistry and I said, this is not the route for me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that's all it took one semester. Yeah. Um, so I started thinking about kind of, you know, what were the things that, that really interested me when I was growing up. And, um, when I was in probably seventh or eighth grade, uh, a family friend worked at NBC four mm-hmm. in Washington, DC, mm-hmm. uh, took a tour of those studios and just really loved like the vibe and the energy that I, that I felt in a, a new studio. Um, so drawing back on that, I switched to, to communication and broadcast journalism, wow. um, fell in love with it in college, knew I wanted to apply that degree out of school, um, so I started looking in, in news markets that were fairly close um, to the D.C. region, and uh, found a spot in Hereford, Pennsylvania, um, which was cool because as a hockey fan, the Cap, the Washington Capitals minor league team, the Hershey Bears, play about 20 minutes outside of Hershey, so uh, I knew I'd have some connection to my hometown still by being there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, one thing led to another, and uh, started as a production assistant at um, the local CBS affiliate in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania.
0: Okay, and so, but like at Virginia Tech, did you have a sports experience background? Did you cover Vitek sports? And then you still went into news? Was it the first job that you could get?
1: Yeah, it was It was essentially, yeah, it was more, more or less the first job I could get. Um, I was doing stuff at Virginia Tech. I mean, I I wrote for the school paper. I was having courses that, you know, we were out shooting and and writing features, um, for shows that aired on our kind of, you know, college news channels. Um, so I, I had the sports broadcast background in college, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's hard to get your foot in the door. Um. I think for any anybody that's young that is pursuing this
0: mm-hmm.
1: profession, um, get your foot in the door any way you can, whether it is news, whether it is sports. Um, because I knew right along, right from the start, I didn't want to do news for my entire life, but um, I knew it would get me into TV. Yeah. That's that's kind of one thing led to the next. Um, and working at a news station, you know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons when it comes to deadlines and. You know, quick writing and, and things like that that still carry over today. So um, it was an a, a avenue to go where I wanted.
0: It is very interesting how, you know, throughout your journey, there's so many times that, I mean, I've been on camera, off camera, you know, behind the scenes, production assistant, on, you know, a camera operator, editor. And like throughout your career, there's something you can pull from even if it's years ago, that could help you today. A little things along with, you know, obviously the growth of you as a person, but I always find that interesting, uh, especially with the Last Dance of Jordan documentary. It made me remember the story of um, I was going to be, I guess you could say the production assistant who was supposed to radio back to the truck when Michael Jordan walked in the building. It was um, sometime in the early 97 season but I had experience as, a, as the tape AD back in the studio working for WGM Morning News sometimes. And I don't remember what happened to whoever was supposed to work in tape in the truck, but they the, the director was like, hey, does anybody on the headset, can they work in tape? And I didn't know what they wanted. So I was like, oh yeah, I, I've done tape before. And they were like, we need you back in the truck. My one chance. My one chance to be like right there with Michael and be like, yes, Michael's coming to the building. We're following him from his car to the locker room. I lost it. Never got it back. I was like, this this is great. but You know, the experience of the adrenaline rush, you know, I just I don't know. I remember that and, you know, was excited to think about how. But actually, my experience as a tape AD helped the producer and director. So that made me very happy at the time as well. And um, kind of got me in because I've done some crazy things. I was actually, yeah, I worked the radar gun for Kerry Woods' return. I'm going to say that was early okay. 2000s, uh, maybe April or May of 2000, when he was coming back from a Tommy John injury. And I worked the radar yeah. gun in every pitch. There were about 10 to 12 scouts that would, after every pitch, they would look down at me. If you can imagine 10 or 12 people just looking in a row. We're just sitting in the stands, and they would just <laughs> look down the row. And I remember the, the scout next to me was a Pittsburgh Pirate scout, and they would say, what was that? What did he throw? I'd say 87, 96. I mean, it was amazing. It was really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, but back yeah, to you. You talked about uh, getting your foot in the door. How did you get into base productions from news? Like Base Productions is a post production house. They worked on caps content. Yep. And you make a transition from news. How how did that happen?
1: Yeah, so this is actually a pretty crazy story too. Um, it was I don't want to say it was a fluke because, you know, I, I think everything is, is everything happens for a reason, but um, I I still owe one of my good friends, right? I I paid off the debt, but I told him I owed him a beer because <laughs> um, he was, so he was out at you know a, a bar in D.C. on a Friday night this is you know when we're all 22 or whatever mm-hmm. um and I think it was a mutual friend was with them and they just kind of started talking about what they do and um you know their interests and stuff and, and sure enough this this guy that he was hanging out with um said he works at Base Productions and that they do all the you know high end production um needs for the Washington capitals. Yeah. So the light bulb thankfully clicked in my buddy's head knowing that, you know, I wanted to not only get back to DC in some capacity, but my love of the Washington capitals, my background in video production. Um, And so he, he told that employee of base that, um, you know, if they ever were hiring to to think of me, um, which was awesome. Sure enough, I think probably three months later, I got a cold call. Um,
0: Wow
1: from from someone at base who um actually now works at the tour with me which is another kind of small world thing <laughs> um and you know chuck you know chuck, chuck Roseberry. Roseberry. He's, uh, he's he's been in the business for for a while he's great um he's awesome yeah that, that that's that's the guy you can tell some stories you know yeah. um but yeah it was just really having a friend in the right place at the right time um that was nice enough to think of me um and, and get the right people in touch with me. So um, I'm su- super grateful for how that, how that worked out. Um, and I think now I'll probably send my buddy a, a, another virtual beer, having told the story
0: again. <laughs> what, what was it like working there and, and covering the Washington Capitals? Uh, I can only imagine. I mean, they've been winning for probably your entire time that you were at base before until you left. Unfortunately, won the Stanley Cup after you left, but yeah, what was that like? Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to bring that back up. What was that like for you covering hockey?
1: Um, it was awesome. So I, uh, everyone that knows me knows that hockey is, is my favorite sport. Um, you know, I grew up going to games with my parents. My parents were, were capitals, ticket holders. Mm-hmm. Um, so literally, hockey has been in my blood. As long as I can remember. remember. So, yeah, having the chance to to go back and work for the team and and not only work for the team, but um, being in production, you really get to see sides of players and the organization that you wouldn't in in a a role like an accountant, for instance. Yeah. Um, So, you know, like sharing a locker room with Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and John Carlson.
0: Yeah. um,
1: and getting to know them on a semi-personal level was was pretty awesome um one thing that's that's great about hockey i think you hear it a lot but every single player in every caps locker room i've been in Mm -hmm. is just such a nice human being and, and a great person um i don't know what it is about about hockey but uh they're just such great guys and so respectful of the work we're doing um even if they're having, you know, a tough day or don't want to talk after a practice, um, you know, more often than not, they're going to give you the time and, and give you good, honest answers.
0: So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's it's definitely a, uh, a part of my career that I look back on fondly, um, and especially as Ovechkin continues to set all these NHL records, yeah. to know that I had a chance to work alongside, uh, in my opinion, the greatest goal scorer in NHL history yeah. is uh, a pretty cool thing to, to have in my hat.
0: Quick pivot. Best Ovechkin goal. I got mine. Best Ovechkin goal.
1: Um, so the ones that immediately come to mind are the goal in Phoenix
0: where he's yeah, on his back. Yeah, that's uh, mine.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's hard not, it's hard to beat that one. Yeah.
0: Um, Tori, that's it. You yeah. don't have to go anymore. He was on his back, he was shooting it literally <laughs> above his head, skating, uh, sliding on his back, and hit it into the net. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, it, and the reason I kept going is because it's just there's so many goals where, I mean, you look at his his career highlight reel and it's like his top five goals are just unbelievable. Like how. Yeah. How anybody can pull that off, and then just his his "quote unquote" normal goals now, where he's you know taking slap shots from the point on the power play from his office. Yeah. Um, You know, people know. You heard all the time. Goalies know what's coming, and they still can't stop him. Mm -hmm. Um, He's he's amazing, man. But it's going to be a long time until we see a, a goal scorer like him again in the NHL, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Tell me your favorite Ovi story since we're on Ovi, or just something you remember from covering the caps because again you did long form on one of the great programs caps redline you won a few a couple emmys a few emmys for it uh just talk about some one of your favorite memories from then Um. Ovi related or, or anybody? Any, I mean Ovi related because I know like what how you're saying. He's the greatest goal scorer, but it could be anybody. Just something that you reflect on a lot when you think about your days back covering the Caps. Yeah, um,
1: so Ovi. I mean, it's not it's not necessarily one singular story, but but just every time we did stuff with him, um, it's hilarious that he just he's. A is um, he's, he hasn't let fame get to him in any way whatsoever and mm-hmm. he's always the first one just to like crack a joke or you know play a prank on the camera crew or, <laughs> or a fellow player while we're there um, he just has like such this likable personality that can almost come off as um like sometimes it come off, comes off as shyness because early in his career there was a, somewhat of a language barrier when he was still learning the language
0: mm-hmm. um but then, now later in his career, it's like
1: he's he's all out there, just being the big gooseball that he is. So that's that's what I really take away from Ovi. Um, I also have a really this is this is only kind of diehard hockey fans might know this one, so might not want to keep it for the podcast. But uh, Jay Beagle, <laughs> yeah, um, part of part of the Cup winning team. Um, he's just like this incredible um, family man. We got to spend some time with his wife and his dog, and they had a newborn, not newborn, like a two-year-old daughter. Um, and we went to the zoo with them, got to take a behind-the-scenes uh, tour of, of the National Zoo in D.C., and, um, you know, he's hes just a, a great guy, and uh, one of the ones that kind of stands out to me as just being one of the nicer guys I've ever dealt with
0: uh, okay. in my profession. Uh, that's cool. Jay Beagle, I remember him. When the Caps won Peaks, yeah. the tournament, the the Stanley Cup, where were you? What do you remember about it? And I know you love your job now, but were you bummed that you weren't covering the Caps? Just one or two more years to be able to see <laughs> that in person, be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's natural, right? That mm-hmm.
1: there's a little bit of well, first and foremost, there's excitement. So I don't I don't want that to um I want that. we we'll make sure that's clear that as a lifelong Caps fan to see the team and especially the core guys of Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, Brayden Holby, and so on to see them win a cup. um, I was, I was, you know, couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I did have thoughts of like, man, it'd be cool to be part of it and, you know, wondering like whether I would, whether I would travel to Vegas and be part of that whole scene as they're, you know, raising the cup there. Um, but again, that, that all pales in comparison to just the, the sheer joy and excitement I had. Yeah. Uh, me and my wife, we were watching it in our, um, at the time, our apartment in Jacksonville, Florida, just the two of us. Um, I definitely had, you know, a bottle of champagne ready that I <laughs> cracked right afterwards, <laughs> right afterwards. Um, you know, she goes to bed after, you know, that team takes his turn raising the cup and I want to say I stayed up till about 4 a.m. just watching post-game coverage and, and replays of the win. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it's just one of those nights that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. And I think a lot of Cavs fans felt that way back then. But thankfully, the boys got it done. And uh, we live in a new world now where the Cavs are winners.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, and it's a shame that this season was suspended. It may not be able to finish this season because the Caps had a really, really good chance of winning again, even though I know uh, St. Louis won it last year, but I think the Caps were really a strong team this year. I remember being in yeah. the building in DC when they won it and I saved a bunch of confetti and my champagne bottle from our celebration that <laughs> night and one of the cleaning people in the building. About a day or two later, I didn't clean my office on purpose. I just wanted to live in it, and revel in it. She cleaned up all of the confetti, which I didn't want. I was really sad, and she took my champagne bottle and threw it away, which I wanted to keep for oh, eternity. No. Vouvray, oh yeah. Ted was he was doing it right. <laughs> Boy, we celebrated that night. Um, and I was really bummed. Even yeah. some of my colleagues said I could have their bottles. But I was like, it's not the same. I don't want to take your memory away. <laughs> so, unfortunate. Right. Um, what was well, it like? was the parade? I know you, you Oh in yeah. the parade, and uh, we had a chance to meet up afterward. Yeah. Covering the parade was n- not just out of control, but I normally obviously cover basketball. You were on the hockey side. I was on the basketball side. And they were like, yeah. look, this is all hands on deck. So, I'm literally behind the scenes... At the parade, my job was to do some behind-the-scenes and kind of like candy shots of the all of the double-decker buses going by, following some of the sponsors. So one of my main sponsors I had to follow was Anheuser-Busch, and they brought the Clydesdales in, uh, and I literally uh, was running from bus to bus. I was so tired. <laughs> and we're stopping so you know if you could imagine everybody else is enjoying it and i'm just sweating and drenched and uh it was probably the best experience outside of just being there when they won it because i also was in abu dhabi covering uh fatima me and peter bondra and a shout out to mm-hmm. the cinematographer kelsey um, we got the shot of Fatima uh, doing the trick shot that Peter Bonger was so impressed with. So I was riding in a convertible Mustang with her for part of the parade, just reveling in the Caps winning, reveling in a reunion of seeing her again, and then running from bus to bus. It was just it was amazing, and I'm glad you got to experience that, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay. Yeah. How did you go from hockey to golf, from ice to to the greens, was that a tough transition? Uh, like you mentioned, you're you know still doing long form content, but the storytelling has to be different somewhat, right?
1: It is different. Um, I think the biggest difference for me, or the, or the biggest kind of um, you know reality check, was how many players there are on the PGA Tour. Um, mm-hmm. Coming from working for for a team, where okay, in a hockey team, there's know 25 guys uh basketball team is even less um 15 in golf you know there's yeah with, with with uh hundreds of players that are competing on the pga tour each year um it's been it's been a fun journey to really force myself and and be able to um learn about each player's backstory and the journey they've made they've taken to the pga tour um what their interests are so as the leaderboards are shuffling through, I can see any name and um, kind of spit out a few facts about each guy. And I think my wife is still kind of amazed that I can do that. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know, it's it's when we're telling these guys stories, we want to know as much about them as we can. and uh, That's a fun part of the job is to get to know what makes players tick and uh, why their career means so much to them.
0: And do you get their backstory? Is there like a a bio that that maybe media, public relations or media relations puts out that kind of helps you? And is some of it kind of reading articles and doing some of your own, maybe some pre-interviews as you get to know the players? What's kind of maybe the percentage of where you kind of learn about their backstory?
1: Yeah, so it's a mixture of all of the above. Um, I'd say. A lot of times we are working with our communications player relations teams to Mm -hmm. um to really find opportunities uh to to find players interests and um plan shoots that will allow them to to explore those those interests so Mm -hmm. um you know if if we hear a a player loves fishing we're going to try to schedule like a cool fishing trip in his hometown and um you know Go with him for that, as he's kind of in his element. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: other times, other times it is just if we're at an event, you know, doing interviews, um, just kind of picking their brains a little bit, seeing what makes them tick, and we might find a cool nugget there that we can build off of. So it's a lot of avenues, a lot of information um, to, to pull, a lot of areas to pull information from. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of you know tapping into the right the right sources and and finding shoots that. They'll be interested in, but also interest fans and make them
0: make the players relatable to fans. And and in trying to relate to the players, is there a delineation? You know, I know, like from working with the cats, from me working with the wizards, I make sure to tell the players, "Hey, I work for the team. I'm not the media. There's a different way I'm going to cover yep. it." Do you do that with the PGA Entertainment to kind of help the players be more comfortable with you?
1: absolutely yeah um we want them to know that anytime they're with pj tour entertainment we're not part of gotcha journalism we're not gonna you know ask them questions to try to flip into something controversial um we want them to view us as kind of an extension um of their brand where they can they can promote themselves through us
0: if that Mm -hmm. makes sense yeah yeah that totally makes sense um what has it been like for you, you know, you you love hockey, uh, you play golf, you love golf, to be inside the ropes? What was that experience like for you when you first went to that first tournament and did something happen that was different or that you didn't know ahead of time that was really eye-opening for you that was different from being at a golf tournament as a fan?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, it's funny my so my first uh, tournament working was the 2015 players championship that tournament always seems to keep popping out doesn't it yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> so 2015 was a it was actually a pretty historic players uh, Ricky Fowler made a ridiculous charge on the back nine on Sunday um, I think he went like six under through his final five holes and went eagle birdie birdie on his final three to force a playoff um so that was my first event. And the excitement of that final round, uh, if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend trying to find it at the telecast from that Sunday um, mm-hmm. and pick it up right around probably like 4.30 p.m. in the afternoon. Because um, it, it, was, it was just so electric. And watching it and being a part of it, um, hearing the fans and then how they were just getting so into the tournament, that's when I was like, all right, this is going to be a cool gig. Um, you know, I, I obviously I knew it was going to be fun coming down here, but when I saw that, that was like that light bulb. I was like, wow, this is, this is going to be something different in a really cool way.
0: Yeah. Um, do you get to play most of the courses that you are working on maybe before a tournament or after?
1: Um, I wish I did. Um, I have, haven't quite gotten that perk yet. Um, a lot of it is because you know we're there when we're traveling to tournaments it's in tournament conditions and tournament ready so Mm -hmm. um they wouldn't want to hack like me going out there and making divots (laughs) and um you know doing all that so um I do have some coworkers that have played uh a handful of courses um and it's mostly just like on their own recreational time
0: um
1: you know whether it's planning a trip to you know Across the pond to play some of the um, open championship courses, mm-hmm. or um, really anything around the country, um, whether it's Torrey Pines or Pebble Beach. Um, yeah, there's there's some coworkers that have a pretty impressive resume of uh, golf courses that they've played.
0: What's the best course you've played outside of the one right there in your backyard?
1: Um, it's a good question. I'm so spoiled because being down here, I just play – there's there's two courses at TPC Sawgrass. There's the same course, which yeah. is a tournament course, um, and there's a second course called Dyes Valley. Um, yeah. And that, that valley course is a lot of fun, so I, I would probably say that one. Wow, TPC Sawgrass is like a golfer's paradise, man.
0: It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> that's funny. Yo. And I guess that's part of the perk of, of having a job down there, right? Year-round, it's beautiful weather, beaches, and golf. You can't beat it. Yeah, no question about it. Yep. I know you love other sports. You mentioned hockey. Uh, we're all dealing with without sports, dealing you know, living life without sports. What else are you watching? Maybe another sport that you miss, you know, watching old games. We mentioned, you know, reliving that Masters from last year. How do, how are you mm-hmm. getting by without sports? And I know that there are bigger things in the world. That it's not about oh boohoo I'm missing sports, but just you know how are you coping?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, thankfully we live in a world where uh, streaming and, and Netflix is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been we've been my wife and I've been doing a lot of streaming. Um, I I'm ashamed to admit this, but we've actually never watched The Wire, so we are. <laughs> We are midway through the third season right now, and we're burning through those episodes pretty quickly. Wow! Uh, so, so that's been fun, I know you and I have talked a little bit, but yeah, um, you spent some time in Baltimore, and uh, it's it's a crazy reality that that you know show portrays.
0: Yeah, it's one of my favorite of all time. Uh, oh my gosh! Wow! Yeah, it definitely takes me takes me back. Uh, man. Yeah. Okay, so you're watching yeah, that. Bunk was yeah, my favorite that, detective. Are... Wendell Pierce is the actor, but he's my fa- he was my favorite.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He's,
0: yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: there's so many good characters in that show. Um,
0: yeah,
1: and the writing the writing's great. And, um, but aside aside from that, we've gotten into things like the Masked Singer. That's just like a guilty pleasure that we've uh, stumbled upon. Yeah. Um, you know, getting a lot of yard work done. We are we're expecting our first child in September, so. Um, there's a lot to do there that's keeping us busy so congratulations just, of, yeah thank yeah. you yeah um
0: now you'll never watch television uh, again once the baby's born you're done <laughs> <yeah, right? laughs> it just means sleep sleep time instead of television right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's funny
1: but yeah i think i think preparing for that has been taking up a lot of our time too yeah making sure we're ready to be mom and
0: dad that's going to be awesome. Congratulations. It, it'll be quite an experience for you. You know, you could have me on your pod if you decide to do one about new new fathers because you're going to you're going to need a lot of, uh, you know, help. And I know <laughs> you got some family to help you there, too. Um, yeah, hey.
1: I, I can only imagine.
0: Yeah, uh, it's going to be great, though. Uh, uh, and so yeah. as I start the podcast, the intro, your name is Tori Smith. And when I first mm-hmm. met you, of course, the first person I think of is the NFL player, Torrey Smith. Um, yep. you gotta have some funny stories of people thinking that you are that Tory Smith, either restaurant, when they get an email from you, something, tell me something. Yeah. So, so two come to mind.
1: Um, the first one is when I was a student at Virginia Tech, Torrey Smith was at, was playing at Maryland at that same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't remember the year. It was probably like 2007 something like that. But I'm with all my college friends. We're in one of our apartments watching uh, tech at Maryland. Yeah. And we start hearing like Tory Smith with a catch. Tory Smith, you know, uh, making this tech defense look bad, da-da-da. So my friends are like, you know, giving me a hard time there. i like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're killing us. Um, <laughs> so that was that was kind of like my first – the first time I got to know – who Tory Smith was? Yeah, you know, the other Tory Smith. <laughs> the um, other
0: Tory Smith. That should be yeah, your Twitter yeah, handle, yeah. by the way. The other Tory Smith.
1: I know. I know. I should, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the other one where I kind of had a face to face interaction was um, I was at a store. Actually, I think it was a Kettler. Um, mm-hmm. to get some ice skate sharpened, and I go to pay, and, and the girl. Ask for my name, and I just say, I think I said my last name, I said Smith, I'll pick up a Smith. So she's like, all right, can I, can I see your credit card? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I show her my credit card, and she looks at it. She goes, Tori Smith? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you don't look like the wide receiver, though. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely uh, more like than I am, and, um, <laughs> you know, he, he I, I'm not an NFL build by any means. And he's so, an African-American uh, compared and, to you. <laughs> Yeah, that, that too. That too. <laughs> so and then I, I pulled my license to to verify that I am in fact uh Tori Smith. Wait, you had to get your wife in there
0: To validate?
1: No, my, my no, my license, my license.
0: Oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um That's the... and yeah,
1: thankfully <laughs> thankfully she believed it and I was able to get my skate sharpened for, you know, whatever ten bucks or
0: whatever
1: it was. Yeah, so uh, Yeah, it was that those are two that that instantly come to mind and they're kind of funny to, to think about.
0: Yeah. So at least it wasn't getting on an airplane or something <laughs> for skates. No kidding. Um, yeah, seriously. But you love, like you mentioned you, you didn't have an athletic build or, or like Tory Smith, but if you could go back and be a pro athlete, would it be hockey? Like, did you always play it? Yeah, it would be. And
1: it's, it's not only because I love of the sport. Um, I think it's it's a, it's fortunate for those guys that most of them can walk around the grocery store and not be noticed mm-hmm. um, because yeah I mean they're certainly athletic but they're not freakishly athletic like mm-hmm. an offensive lineman or um, a basketball player where they have these physical gifts that make them stand out yeah um, so yeah so I I think NHL players live a pretty good life um that would that would be my choice
0: yeah it's funny because like goalies i thought they were all huge and then you find out they're like 150 pounds just not skin and bones but they're (laughs) small and i think they're like these huge dudes because all the pads and the the leg pads and right right oh man yeah yeah i get that a lot of
1: them are gangly right yeah a lot of goalies almost look gangly
0: and I guess you have to be because you've got to be athletic to stand on your head and and split your legs the way that they do to stop the puck. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, you still get to play sports some um, enough that you feel like you're getting that out of your system of still playing and being athletic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh it's a steady dose of golf and hockey down here in Florida. Yeah. Uh, spr- sprinkle in some intermodal kickball. And oh. uh, that's that's what we're doing. Yeah. You know, walking the dog, too. You know, get some steps in throughout
0: the day. Yeah. That's cool. Tori, thank you so yeah. much. You did a great job. Hey, um, so you. Okay. I'm appreciative of you coming on Just for Sport. And hopefully for everyone that's listening, if they didn't like the stories, maybe if they want to go in this profession, they learned something about what it's like to Work for a hockey team, work for the PGA Tour in their entertainment division, and being a producer. And I wish you the best and congratulations on uh, what is sure to be an exciting time as you await the birth of your first child. Um, yeah, Yeah, you for thank you. I, I
1: appreciate it. And and it's funny. Um, I was I was nervous coming on here because usually I'm the one asking questions, not answering questions. Yeah. So it definitely makes me appreciate. You know. Um, the the other side of it when you're in when you're the one having to answer questions
0: it's not always easy it isn't it isn't (laughs) now maybe when you go and talk to tiger you you'll understand what he's going through or maybe for realistically it'll be that rookie that you cover on the pga tour that they're learning to uh how to answer questions so that's cool thanks Tori yeah yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. All that. right, thanks, okay. Have a good one. And that's a wrap for another Just for Sport. Thank you very much for listening. I want to thank Tori Smith, especially for coming on the pod and re recording when we got that Tiger and Phil reboot news. Please continue to listen, share, and leave a review. You can catch past pods and subscribe for future ones on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and more. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now.